with this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise the Lord. So great to be in church this morning. Well done. Welcome, welcome for coming. Such a lovely day. Just finishing off our holidays. I suppose a few people are having Monday off, are they? Is anyone having having Monday off from work? So you get sort of a nice long weekend. That's exciting. Praise God. So we are preaching a series from Living from the Inside Out. So I thought it would be good just to recap what is inside you? What's inside us? Just think about you. What is inside you? So you, if you think about the inside of you, you probably think, oh, well, there's, there's a heart and lungs and a tummy and there's, there's body in there, isn't there? There's flesh. There's stuff. But there's also your soul. The Bible speaks about our soul, our the seat of our emotions, our will, our thinking, our intellect. That's in there somewhere. And then we have a spirit. We have a spirit inside. So when we talk about living from the inside out, what are we talking about exactly? We're talking about there's, there's things inside there and we want those things to be good things and we want to live from those from that place. We want to live from that place. And If you are born again and you know Jesus, what is inside of you is amazing. Let's look at Colossians 1.26. The Bible says that there there isn't an old us that was kind of in there. And that's, that's been crucified, actually. When we're born again, it's like the old Ruth gets put away and buried and done with. There was, there's a, there's, it's, a straight, it's hard to understand really, isn't it? But there was a part, there's a, there was a me that was old and, and decrepit and dying and not right and he just buried that one and, then, and the real me, the new me, is come to life and with that, listen to this in verse 27, God has made known what are the mysteries, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me. So when we talk about what's inside of me, once I've accepted Jesus into my heart, Jesus is in my heart. Jesus is inside of me. This is really amazing. Like this is really amazing. Christ is living in me. I don't even understand that. How can he, how can he kind of fit in my little puny body, my little sinful flesh? How is it possible that somehow I'm connected with God in me? It's amazing. It's easy for me to think of God sort of there up in heaven and Jesus is next to him and the Holy Spirit's down here somewhere, but in me. It's almost sort of, what? And then again in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So again, we have this image that it's not just Christ, it's, it's his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because God doesn't sort of separate himself. So, you know, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, he is in me. All of that is in me. It's quite an extraordinary concept to think that the Holy Spirit is in me. And, and so if I can allow him to be completely 
released in me, then I'm going to be a pretty amazing person. I'll still be me because God doesn't want to consume us. He, he loves us. He created us. He wants us to be, to be totally me, totally Ruth, but totally Ruth connected to and joined to this amazing God who is the very source of my life, the very source of my breath, and hopefully the source of my personality, the source of my character. So that he doesn't just give me life and breath, but he gives me all the beautiful things that, that is him, that it can come through me. It's an amazing concept, such an amazing concept. But still inside of me, there is the flesh. So even though the old me was crucified, there's still flesh. This, this flesh, we, we're not getting, this isn't getting renewed until we go to heaven. So I've still, this is gradually getting older and older and, and, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not great. It's okay. Like I know, you know, I spent, tried to make it look nice for you this morning, but you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as spiritual as the rest of me and it's dying, but that's all right because then what will happen is God's going to, finally this will be dealt with too. And when we go to heaven, we'll get our new body which will be fabulous and we'll all look, you know, think of you, the best you that you've ever looked. That's the you that you're going to look. You'll still look like you, but I don't know. For me, I was probably about 24, 25. I don't know. (laughs) Anyone 24, 25 at the moment? Anyone? Yeah. Enjoy. 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 (laughs) It's pretty much downhill from there. (laughs) But um, not really, just physically. Who cares about the flesh? But this is the thing. So the flesh still has lusts and desires. It still has, it, it still, it sort of lingers on. It's, it's lingering. And so we've got to decide, I want to live from the inside out. Is it going to be this beautiful new spirit of mine, which is full of and energized by and, and connected to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit? Am I going to live from that? Or am I going to live from the old me, which I can sort of, you know, the grumpy old me, which is still sort of there and the flesh, and I'm tired and I'm hungry. And that's still there. That, I've got to deal with that. I've got to crucify that every day. And I, and I will... It always is there. It's always fighting against. It says the Bible says they fight against one another. Let's look then. The Bible. We've got to walk and live in the spirit. Walk and live in the spirit. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. They don't like each other. They're they're against each other. And it says the flesh gets annoyed with the spirit, and the spirit gets annoyed with the flesh. They they're antagonistic, and this is going on inside of me. So, you know, you, you know this. You know this sometimes. Will I eat another Easter egg? Well, we probably had enough, haven't we? But I want another Easter egg. It's like, I think we've had enough, Ruth, really. I think, you know, but it's Easter. It's Easter. When else do I get to eat Easter eggs? Well, you can eat chocolate any time. And actually, it's the same thing, isn't it? But I want it. You know, and it's kind of like this. You can have these little wars going on inside of you. At that very minute, you can see people just going. And you get to decide who wins. You get to decide, are you going to live in the spirit or are you going to live in the flesh? Because you can, you can live in the flesh. You get to decide. And so what we're encouraging us all is to be living from the beautiful Holy Spirit that is within us and living and walking according to the spirit. And then Galatians 5.16 says this, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And the lusts of the flesh are not nice. Walk in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit now connected and 
and part of our spirit, our own personal spirit. It's, it's all connected now. He will guide us from the inside. Sort of, for me, it's sort of like all around. It's from the inside. It's from next to me. It's from heaven as I pray. He's just everywhere. And he will guide me. He will prompt me. And you know, the Holy Spirit's directions are very detailed. He is very detailed. He's very particular. If you look at the book of Acts, you can see this. It's very exciting to see how he said, no, don't, don't go to that city. Go to this one. You know, go, go downstairs. There's some people waiting for you. You need to talk to them. Peter, go downstairs and talk to them about, about this. Go, you know, Peter, um, Philip's just walking along. Go, see that guy there in that, in that chariot? Go and talk to him. Get in the chariot and talk to him. It's very specific. It's very exciting, actually. And this is the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit that will cause us not to walk in the flesh, but to walk in the Spirit. So that's my first point. Let us walk in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, this leads to fruit. So we're talking about fruits of the Spirit. Now, you'll remember that Chris spoke about, we started this last week, this particular section of this is the fruit of the Spirit that comes. If you walk in the Spirit, you're going to have fruit. Galatians 5.22 says this. It's first in 21, it talks about the works of the flesh, which are obvious. Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and so on. He goes on about all of that. But let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So we want to live prompted following, listening to the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to be fruitful. Fruitful. Fruit is beautiful. Fruit is generally brightly coloured. It's tasty. It's sweet. And it's got just the right amount of sweetness, unlike that juice this morning. It's got the ni- a lovely balance. I mean, a, a good fruit tree is just the best thing. I remember when we bought a house in Mount Cola and we just arrived and out the back there was a lemon tree and an orange tree which we hadn't planted and they'd been there for quite some time and it was so exciting that every single winter they produced this incredible and abundant, what do you call it, harvest crop of oranges and lemons and we had so many we had to give them to everyone. We had to give away lemons and everybody. My whole family, you want lemons? You want lemons? And they were, the oranges were completely sweet, completely beautiful. And it was just like, this is the best thing ever. We didn't have to do anything. We had this fabulous tree and it just produces fruit. It's a delight. A fruit tree is a delightful thing. It, it's just so pleasing and tasty and, and free. It's just there. You didn't have to buy it. It's in our back garden. And that's what God wants us to be like, just fabulous fruit trees, just producing this fabulous fruit that's tasty. People need to just enjoy our company because you're just so tasty. You're just beautiful with that love and that joy and that peace. I just, I just, I just taste you. It's good. And it's tasty for us too. I think we get to eat a bit of it. I know normally a tree doesn't eat their own fruit, but we probably do get to eat a bit of it. It's just so beautiful. When we were in Denmark, I lived in Denmark when I left school for a year, and, um, and they'd planted apple trees everywhere. And apple trees, are, I don't think, so great around Sydney. I, don't, I think it's not cold enough. But in, in Denmark, it's cold. And so when the um, autumn came, you'd just go riding through the park. And, there was, and I remember I wasn't used to this, so I'm just riding through the park. And I went, there's like apple trees all over that apple. I thought, I wonder if I can 
I, I guess I can eat them. It's just in the park. So I kind of didn't know. But I just picked one. I thought, well, they look normal apples. You know, you don't want them to be like weird poison apples or something. <laughs> and I remember just eating them. It's like, wow, you can just eat them. And I just thought it was the best. You just ride through the parks in Denmark and just pick the apples and eat them. And they were delicious. That's the way it's meant to be with fruit, just abundant, just everywhere, just planted. I think the best I could think of was mulberry trees. Do you remember as kids there were mulberry trees everywhere? And as a kid you'd climb into the neighbour's mulberry tree and just sit there and get red all over your face. Fruit is awesome. Fruit is beautiful. Fruit is tasty. And that's how we are meant to be, fruitful. All those beautiful qualities are meant to come into us. So I was chatting to someone about this and and I was talking about, you know, this whole concept, and they, and they said, well, how do you get more fruit? How do you get more fruit? And I thought about my trees in Mount Collins, but that's a very good question because we did absolutely nothing to that tree. We, we, we literally did nothing. We didn't do anything. It just produced fruit. And I thought, why did it produce so much fruit? And I thought, well, it was just there. It stayed there. It was in the right position. It was a good spot to produce fruit. It was sunny. And it was obviously well-drained and it obviously had rain and it was a good spot. And if a fruit tree, if a tree will stay in a good spot, it'll just produce fruit. It really will. I mean, I know the gardener might have to do the odd bit of pruning and stuff like that. But if the, if the soil's good, and we didn't, and I, you know, God, you just got to stay there. And I thought, you know, there's something in that, isn't there? Just stay there. Just stay and you'll grow fruit. Stay in the presence of God. Stay with his people, stay in God, stay in his love, stay in the place where he has planted you, dwell in the land, just stay there. Stay with God and stay in prayer, just uh, like a tree, arms out to God, roots just planted and don't, don't move around. You know, stay with God and you, you grow fruit. It's really, I, I don't even know how the trees grow fruit. I don't know how it happens. They send up little messages and starts as a little flower and then a little green ball, you know, and then I don't, who understands how it happens? I don't. I mean, I'm sure scientists do. But who can understand how this fruit grows in our character? I don't think we really know. I can't really tell you how to create joy. I can tell you, though, if you try to create it, it can come across fake, you know, plastic fruit. Ugh. You know, people sort of say, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a joyful person. I'm such a joyful person. Ah, I'm joyful. Ah, it's like, Ugh. You know, it's like, it's like when you see a bowl of plastic fruit, you know, and you go and eat, you think, oh, is that really? Well, it's plastic. It's, it's a terrible thing, plastic fruit. It's just a terrible thing. It should be banned. But some people are a bit like that. They, they try to be joyful or they try to be loving, and it, it's, it's like, yeah. The natural fruit is you don't actually have to try that hard. You just have to, you have to just stay in him, stay in God, stay here. And it takes time. And, th- you know, then I was thinking about fruit and sure enough when I Googled it, trusty Google, I don't know how we preach before Google, honestly. I spend my, I'm just like Google, Bible studies, Bible hub, everything. Bible hub, that's a good one. It takes, it takes time to produce fruit. Did you know that? Apple trees take between two to five years. A pear tree between four to six years. Avocados, five years. Olive trees, five to 12 years before the first crop. Isn't that interesting? So it does take a little bit of time. You get planted in. You get into God. Right, okay, I haven't changed. It's like, you know, it can take a few years. And I think that's actually quite accurate. I think that's actually quite accurate sometimes, you know. 
the cheaper fruits, you know, a couple of years, two, three, four years, you might start, you know, if you want the olives, 12 years. I thought, no wonder people aren't fruitful. They're popping around all over the place every, every three years. And they, they wonder why they're not producing fruit. It takes time. And if I, you know, you know, if you grab that, that tree and you uproot it and pop it somewhere else, it's going to take a long time to resettle and get those roots going again. So just stay in his presence. Stay in God. And yes, the beautiful wise gardener does prune us sometimes. So I guess, um, you know, we're a bit like those trees in uh, The Lord of the Rings. You know, we actually sort of can talk and have personality. And, and I guess sometimes we should go, well, I'm just not going to let you prune me. and I'm, I'm not going to prune anymore. I'm cross and I'm not going to let my roots go down anymore. And then, we, then we're not going to be so fruitful. We just got to, okay, I'm going to keep praying, God, even though I don't understand. I'm going to come to church and I feel grumpy, but I'm just going to worship anyway. You know, keep, just keep staying in that place. I've got a great quote. The best time to plant a fruit tree was 20 years ago. Some of you are probably aware of that. But the second best time to plant a fruit tree is now. So plant it now. If you're looking at yourself and thinking, well, I haven't got much going on, plant it. I just read, I just read a book, The Barefoot Investor, great book. And uh, his property burnt down, the whole house, everything, lost the lot, all the photos, everything. And he said he looked at it, he said, I've got this, I've got this, we can do this. His wife was crying and it was very emotional. They said the first thing they did was plant an apple tree. That was the first thing, so let's plant a tree, let's start again. So if you feel a little unfruitful... Start planting. It's all good. God is good. He starts working. And another thing that's interesting about fruit is that it's temporary. I thought it's very temporary. There's nothing worse than fruit. I can't stand it when you go to the shops and they sell you apples that are, must be at least a year old. It just And you take it. It's got to be fresh. Make sure you're freshly in his presence. It's got to be new season fruit. I don't want to taste something that you had got a year ago. I want your love that you have for me today. <laughs> you know, a few years ago, she was all right. I mean, we just hang around because, you know. It's like, no, 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 you have to love me today. It has to be a new, a surge of love, we call it in our family, a new fresh love today, fresh joy today. Fresh fruit is the best. There's nothing worse than horrible fruit they make to look nice or fruit in your fruit bowl. Have you ever, we've all come on. We've all, we've all been there, you know, the fruit in the fruit bowl and, and, and you, you think it's a bit of a smell and then you pick it up and there's sort of the liquids coming out. It's like, okay, let's get rid of it. And you chuck it out and then the little flies. It's like, no. So it's got to be fresh fruit. Okay. We've got to, we've got to stay in the presence all the time and, and stay in his, in his love and keep fresh and beautiful and then the flow will come and the fruit will come and we will be beautiful people that we're meant to be. Fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know that the word is singular? It's fruit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the works of the flesh. That's plural because the things that we do in the flesh are disunified and horrible and very, there's a lot of it. But the fruit of the Spirit is just one, one fruit. Now, we split it up to teach because it makes it easy, but actually it's just one kind of amazing fruit. So if you've got one, you might say to me, Ruth, look, I'm, I'm loving, but I, I can't get onto the self-control thing. I'm just... It's like you can because it's the same thing. 
It's the Holy Spirit working through you. So don't ever think I've got the, I've got the, I'm, I'm patient, but I'm, I'm not joyful. I'm just not joyful. It's like, yeah, you are. You've got it all. You can access the Holy Spirit. You can just, you can just allow him to flow through that branch just as, you know, just as much as he flows through the other branch, this one, because it's this, it's, it's the fruit. And you know, it's true because if you do grieve the whole, and you can grieve the Holy Spirit, you can cut it off. You can go, no, no more. I'm, I'm switching off the sap. I'm turning down the tap. I'm not. He says, do this. No, no, I'm not doing it. And if you don't follow the Holy Spirit in one thing, they all go. You know, if, you, if you're getting tested by this little kid that you're living with and you, you lose your temper or you get angry and you don't keep the calm, Sarah's smiling at me. I wasn't looking at you, Sarah. I'm thinking of me. But if you lose the calm, you know, when you lose the calm, you're like, all right, okay. Okay, I've got, I'm busy, right? Can you just, can we talk about this later? You know, you lose the, you're not, that's not, that's not peace. That's not nice. But all, but you're neither are you joyful at that moment, are you? It's not like I'm, I'm joyful. It's not like I'm loving. It's not, it, you, it's all gone. It's, it's, it's interesting. I thought, you know, it's all or nothing. If you lose it in one area, you tend to lose the lot. It's like, if I'm not fruitful here, I'm, I'm not a nice person. You need to get away from me. <laughs> so the fruit of the spirit. Beautiful. Love. Chris spoke about love last week. Beautiful. It's just the summary. It's, it's everything really. It, it, it summarises it all, love. But I'm going to go on and look at a few more in a little bit more detail. Joy. You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Joy is in his presence. Joy is with him. This is the only source of permanent joy which takes possession of and fills the corners and crannies of the heart. Love towards God brings us joy. All other joys are so fragmentary and fleeting. God must be the source and centre of our joy and our delight comes from communion with him. Our hearts turn toward him. All other joys are fragmentary and fleeting, aren't they? They're there, they're nice, but they, they don't last. They, they're, sometimes they're fleeting, sometimes they're, they're, they're just so gone. But the joy of the Lord, the joy of being in his presence, the joy of bringing every issue to him is beautiful. The joy of obedience is beautiful. When I obey God, I love it so. I feel so good. That obedience is the goal. It's not the result. You know, with this weekly witness thing, I've, I've had times, God, you know, the, that, those guys at Crackneck, when he spoke to me, go and talk to those, those guys. And, you know, they were strangers and it was a bit scary to go and talk to two strangers about Jesus. But after I did it, I felt so joyful. The joy was in obedience, in being with him. I felt fantastic. I don't know if they're saved or not. I've been praying for them. The, the results are in his hands. We can't make people saved. But the obedience is in our, it's our decision and there's such joy in obedience. And when we don't obey him, then we grieve him. So the Holy Spirit's saying, go and talk to them. It's like, no, no, I'm too shy. You're going to go on, go on. No, I don't want to. Come on, you can do it. No, no, no. And then there, that's, there's no joy in that. That's the flesh. That's my, and you might think, oh, well, you're just being shy. It's like, no, I'm being stubborn. That's, that's, that's disobedience. Let's call it what it is. And there's no joy in there and there's no, there's no results. But every time we obey God, we, we, we're full of joy and that joy is in his presence and we can stop his presence by disobeying him. So, so we can't just pray all day long. You know, when I say joy in his presence, I don't mean 
obviously we pray. We've got to get there to start with. That's great. Let's all daily devotion. Let's get with Jesus. But then to stay in his presence, you've got to keep walking with the Spirit and obeying. So when you disobey the Holy Spirit, he kind of walks away. He grieves him. So then you've got to say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and, and just quick confess, get right with God, and then, then he's with us again. It doesn't, it's not complicated, but we've got to choose to obey, and there's constant moments of obedience right through the day, and we get to choose. So obey because it's, it's, it's joyful. It's fun. If you, you know, I remember looking at it at saying to God once, I was watching my kids play, and I remember saying, God, I want to be as joyful as those children again because they had, everything's so fun when you're a kid. You know, it's just the funnest thing in the world to go. They're like, can we go to the park? They were in the park, remember. Can we go to the park? One near you, you know, in, in uh, Arawara. And they were like, yay, we get to go down the slippery dip. And I don't find it that fun to go down slippery dips anymore. You know, it's kind of like, uh. I mean, every now, when you're, when you're a mum, you give it a go again. Oh, I remember, you know, you squeeze in. It's a bit, a bit tighter than I remember them. So you squeeze, you squeeze in, you sort of get caught in the way down. Like, come on, come on, push it down. And it's just not as fun. And I said to the Lord, you know, I want to have fun like the kids having gone. Can I have fun like that? And he said, you want to have fun like a child? Went, yeah, I want to have fun like a child. He said, you've got to be like a child. I went, oh, that's interesting. What do children do? And I saw a video the other day. It reminded me of what children did. And it was when Hudson was little. And I just had Luke. So I was in the hospital and, and Hudson came to visit. So he was, I don't know, what, four, five. So he came to visit. And I'm in the hospital bed and the kids are all climbing around and Eleanor's climbing around me and, and Hudson comes up and says, how are you going, Hudson? He goes, I'm sad. And I go, what's wrong? And he goes, my friends at school don't want to play with... No, at preschool. Was it, was it church? Oh, even worse. He said, the kids at church don't want to play with me. Ben and I just I remember Ben and some other kid, they don't want to play with me. I said, oh, that's sad. And he goes, they don't, they don't want to be my friend. And I said, oh, hard. I said, that's sad. I said, I'll be your friend. And he goes, and he, was, and he gave me a little cuddle. He goes, thanks, mommy. And then, and I just said, I was just like, oh. And when I looked at it, I was just like, oh, that's so cute. And then, and, and then he go, it was just like, and he was like, thanks, mommy. And then, and then he, that was it. And then he popped off the bed and went, and then started attacking the, the hotel, the hospital room. And I thought, there it is. There it is. He's experiencing social rejection. He's been ostracized by his friends. Life is looking pretty grim as a five. That's bad. That's that's bad for me, let alone a five-year-old. It's never nice when none of your friends want to be friends with you, is it? Like, that's not nice. They don't want to talk to me. I didn't get asked to the 21st. I didn't get asked to the 40th. I didn't get asked to the wedding. No one loves me anymore. We all hate it. It's, It's a horrible thing, social rejection. But we've all been there, don't worry. And so, but what do you do? You act like a child. You go to your heavenly... Father, mother, if you like, you go and you say, God, they don't want to be my friend anymore. <laughs> you go, say, that's sad. I'll be your friend. You go, thanks, God. And everything's okay. And you go, is it really that simple, Ruth? And I think, well, yeah, it is, you know, because God says to be like a child and we overcomplicate things. And you can't make people like you and we've, we can't make the boss give us a pay rise and we can't. But we can go to our Heavenly Father and he can comfort us and love us and give us answers and, and look after us. And that actually is enough. It really is. If you know him and you've been to him and you've experienced his comfort, it's immense. And once we've gone to him with these issues, well, then we can just go and play again. We can get on with it. It's like, all right, let's get on with it. And obviously some of our issues are a whole bunch more serious than that. 
but the answers are the same. So joy, love, joy, peace. Peace, true peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. True peace will be deep and passing all understanding in the exact measure in which we live in and partake in the love of God. So in the exact measure that we are staying close to him, we will experience his peace. So you can see how these are connected because as we come to him and have that peace, the joy, that's because we've given him all our our cares. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you and the the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Isaiah 48.18, oh, that you had listened to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. So peace comes as we give him our cares and worries and peace is there as we don't disobey him. Disobedience does not lead to peace. So when we're, again, walking in the spirit, obeying him, doing what he says, then there's peace there. We feel at peace. And even in the midst of all the issues and troubles of life, when we give them to him, he's got the answer and there's peace there. And I know that I know that's a big thing to say, but there, it's true. It's so true. I know it's true. I've experienced it over and over that just being with him and obeying him leads to such peace in the midst of just a mess. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I mean, think about that for a minute. A table, like a, a, a it, a nicely set table in the middle of a, a battlefield, you know, and it's like, oh, I've got a lovely table, it's a silver, and this, you know, I'm just going to have a little bit of this hors d'oeuvre here. It's a strange image. But he does. He gives us peace, perfect peace, peace, peace. We've got, we spoke to a pastor friend of ours who the other day who was, looking very chirpy and happy and he went through a terrible time of testing in his church when uh, 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 one of the members of his church who was a lawyer got annoyed with him about something and decided to take out a lawsuit against him and the church. And it went on for years, drained all the church's money. It was this terrible, terrible time. And we, we used to love him and encourage him through this time. Had a website about it, the, guy, the, the, the lawyer, created a website Created a whole, don't get any ideas, got any lawyers in the room? <laughs> I remember after talking to him, I said, oh, praise God, we don't have any lawyers. When people get annoyed with us, they just go, they don't do lawsuits, you know. That's, that's one of the advantages of not living in Sydney, hey, you know. Like, so, oh, it just went on and on and on and, and people left because it was just so horrible and, and it was a terrible, terrible time for them. And, um, and so then the church got so small because people were leaving because there was just so much conflict that uh, his wife had to go to work. She got a full-time job and then he thought, well, I better start a business. So he started a business and he, he had been a businessman. So he spent $10,000, set it all up, got the whole thing going. And then he was at a, a conference and the offering came around and he felt God say to him, I want you to give me the business. You, I, I want you, I've called you. You know, I've called you to the church, give me the business. He was like, all right. And he knew what it meant. It meant lay it down, don't do it. Lay it down. It's not what I, it's not what I want you to do. So he, he gave him the business. He said, all right, God, I'll give you the business. But then he, you know, in the next couple of weeks, he'd already set up the first clients. He'd had all the cards and everything. So he thought, well, look, I'll just, I'll just see the first 
few clients. I won't do any more clients, but I'll just see the first ones because, you know, I, I'll get my 10 grand back and then I'll just wrap it up like this. He said, I'll just wrap it up then, you know. And so he, he went to do that and then he was opened his Bible and he read about Samuel and Saul and how Samuel said, go and kill all the Amalekites, kill the lot, kill all the sheep, the king, everything. And he didn't do it. He said, oh, no, I'll just keep these sheep because, you know, I, I can use them for God. And then Samuel came along and said, did you obey? He went, oh, yeah. I mean, I've got those. I didn't do it all, you know, I kind of half obeyed really. And it wasn't good for Saul. Samuel said, to obey is better than sacrifice. I wanted obedience. And he, he, he said, you know, you've lost, you've lost your position and, and Samuel and Saul never saw each other again after that particular time. But, I mean, Samuel, Saul had been very disobedient. It wasn't just the one-off, so don't lose hope. It's like, ah! <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a bit of the fear of God. And our friend got the fear of God because he read that and he went, I- I've got to give it up, like, now, like, right now. I've got to obey God now. Obey straight away, as Leah's favourite thing, isn't it? Obey straight away. So he was like, Oh, okay, God, now. So he rang the client up and said, I'm very sorry, I can't meet you tomorrow. Uh, he had an appointment and said, oh, I can't, I'm sorry. Look, I, and he said, I'll set you up with someone, I'll help you out. And so he, he stopped right there. And from that point on, the church started to recover and the lawsuit got settled and people came back and it all worked out. And, uh, you know, and, and he obeyed and there, there was the peace. And he was so happy. It was so great to see him in such a great place, so happy and back in a good, good spot again. So obedience leads to peace. And if you don't obey, you get yourself into a mess. And God is very gracious and he can sort us out. You know, there's not a little one chance and you're done. But the peace of God is a beautiful thing. And so let's stay in that peace. And sometimes even you just start to disobey, you start to feel a loss of peace. You just even step over, you go, no, I'm not going there. Stay in the presence. Love, joy, peace, patience. And in all of this, I won't go into patience a great deal. But we just, we're patient in our, with ourselves, we're patient with each other, obviously, and we're patient in God. And not a sort of a resign, oh, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I'm waiting in, on you, God. I, I wait for you. Even in this, we feel like, I just don't feel like I'm as fruitful as I want to be or as beautiful as I want to be, but just, I trust you. I just keep seeking you and I trust this fruit's coming and I trust that I'm going to be who I'm meant to be. So even with God, there's a patience. With, with ourselves, we need to be patient. That's, that's a fruit. That's part of the fruit. Praise God. So let us walk in the Spirit and let us be full of the fruit of the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will produce this beautiful fruit. Let me encourage you all. Let's encourage us all to start again today. God wants us to be planted in the house of God and he says that we are to be called oaks of righteousness. An oak is a nice, big, strong tree. It's full of fruit, that acorn. I mean, I prefer apple trees, but, you know, oak trees are good because they're big and, and we've got this beautiful fruit. Let's not be a sort of gnarly, stunted, dry, scrubby bush in the house of God. Let's be fruitful oaks of righteousness. And it's very simple to do that. We can have this noble Christian character merely by being planted in him, in his presence and walking in the Holy Spirit. And then this is who we are called to be. We are called to be conformed to his character, to be like Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. 
For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.